Awesome. Well, I have some vague memories about asking our kids and then watching other parents with their kids hand out like a platter, right? You know, there's a party or there's something going on and you give a kid a platter. Like, I don't know if there's mixed things on there and lo- or lollies or cheese and dip or whatever. And if, if you give a kid a platter, it's at your own risk because what they're tempted to do is to get the platter and hide in the corner and just eat it all themselves. But we go, no, 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 no. The platter is to be passed out. The gift or the platter isn't to be reserved for yourself, but actually to be served for other people. See, kids keep platters, but, <laughs> but adults carry platters. I'm starting to learn it, lose it a bit sooner than I thought. And, but, but this is a picture of what it's like when we, us when we receive grace. God has given us this great blessing of his grace. Thank you, God. But we completely make a mistake when we go, thanks, God, and we get the platter and we hide in a corner and we eat it. And we act like kids when we do that. And, you know, we start off with kids. It's okay. Like, so, mate, you, you go in the corner and you have a feast because a platter is good. It's worth feasting on and being selfish with for a while. But, but, but then we've got to mature and then go, hold on. This is no longer about keeping the blessing. But actually, all throughout the Bible, God blesses us, but the purpose of the blessing isn't to keep it, but to give it, to be blessing to others. The purpose of the gift isn't to keep it, but to give it, not to preserve it, but to serve it. Not to preserve it, but to serve it. Everyone say, don't preserve it, serve it. There you go. Um. Right at the very beginning with Abraham in the Bible, he was blessed. He was the father of the nation of Israel. And really, he's our spiritual father of the nation of, of, of those who belong to God, where he's spiritual, if you like, children, because through his descendants came Jesus. And through Jesus, we share in his faith. We're a part of the family of God. And this is what God said to Abraham. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, almost as famous as Dulcie. And you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. I've been blessed. I'm making you famous. I'm giving you gifts. I'm giving you an awesome platter. And we so made the mistake. We're like, thanks, God. And we just carry, again, we carry it off in a corner and get, just get it all over our face. But God says, no, you've been blessed, Abraham, to be a blessing on all the nations of the earth. And so we have a responsibility with this grace, this gift of grace. And Jesus came and told his disciples, recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, his followers, like you and I, we're Jesus' followers. And right now, Jesus is here with us. We can't see, but he is here and he says the same words. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a big statement. So like he's underlining who he is in order to underline what he's about to say. Like, I've been given all authority. So you know when someone with more authority walks into the room? Like, it's just as the ranks go up. You're like, what they say has way more weight But Jesus has all authority, and what is his command? Or some people like to interpret as a suggestion. He says, therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And Jesus, just like he was with his disciples 2,000 years ago, he gave them this great commission. Not this great omission or this great option or the great suggestion. In fact, he, he, he so wants this gift of grace to go to the whole world that he leaves no option. He commands, he says, go into the world and carry this gift of grace, carry this platter around to every poor soul you can possibly find and bring this beautiful platter and at least give them the opportunity to take of it. You've all handed platters around before. All you need to do is carry it around and offer it, not get their heads and smoosh it in the platter. <laughs> but just to offer, hey, and we want to give every single person the opportunity, at least the opportunity to taste of the goodness and the love of God. And, you know, Ephesians 3, 2, Paul says, God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace. You know, God gives us this special responsibility. It's not, it, it is the highest, the highest responsibility to hand out this gift of God's beautiful, eternal grace that came at the cost of, of God's Son dying on the cross. This is the gift of grace. And Paul actually goes another step further. In Acts 20, 24, he said, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now let me say, this church is worth nothing to me. No, you're worth everything to me but is worth nothing to, unless we, we use it, unless we are church, unless we exist and we tell others about the wonderful grace of God. This is why we exist. You know, the church is the only organization, bunch of organized people that don't exist for its members, but actually exists for everyone else. We, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to see others come to know Jesus. This is why we exist as a, as a church. And, but, you know, it can be a weight. It can be a burden to carry. After a while, your arms can get tired. It's actually a responsibility to carry this burden. But, you know, somewhere, in, in, somewhere down the road, the Western culture has come and leaked into our Christianity. See, our Christianity was actually started in Asia or in ancient Israel, and the culture back then was completely different. But right now, Western really selfish culture has leaked in where we go, oh, it's just too hard. It just needs to be easy. Do you know what? If it's not easy, it's not God. That's what a lot of people say. If it's a bit too hard, then it mustn't be the Lord. You need to rest and have another holiday. It mustn't be the Lord if it takes a little, if there's a bead of sweat coming down here, it's the devil. He's working you too hard. And this can leak into our Christianity. But when you go back to the ancient church, woo, in and out of prison, beaten up for their faith, night and day without food, without sleep. 11 out of the 10 disciples were, were, were killed for their faith. Yeah, it's not a walk in the park. And imagine counseling them. No, it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. It's that devil. My goodness, what has happened to us? 
you know, when to my son, we, we always encourage our kids, you know, we, we love doing hard things because anything worthwhile is hard. If you want a uni degree, it's hard. If you want to do anything worthwhile, it's effort and weight and burden and responsibility. Somehow, we think the opposite is true when it comes to the burden and the weight and the challenge of carrying God's gift of grace to the world. I've said it a few times. Our son Winter asked me one, <laughs> a question one time. Dad, is doing hard things easy? <laughs> no. <laughs> doing hard things isn't easy. But somehow we think as Christians, oh, the Holy Spirit's just going to, you know, he, he, just, he made me. But no, it's a burden that we need to carry. Um, I looked at the Webster's Dictionary on what responsibility means, and really it kind of defines itself. Responsibility is something for which one is responsible. It's a burden. They sum it up in one way, burden. It's a weight. We lean in and we carry this burden of responsibility and God actually calls us to work hard to bring in what's called the harvest. You know, Jesus talks about the harvest. You know, if you go past the wheat belt, you can see at harvest time, the harvesters are out there and the wheat is ready. All it needs to happen, the wheat is ready, it's ready to go. All it needs is the farmers. And if you've been anywhere near the country areas, you know how hard these farmers work day in and day night, hours and hours in the harvesters. And it is hard work to bring in the harvest. And, and Jesus talks about how the harvest that God calls us to is, is, is harvesting, if you like, people, as strange as that sounds, um, heads of wheat, heads on people. Um, but ha- ha- harvesting souls, people that are brought to eternal life through Jesus. And God calls us to bring in a harvest. But sometimes in our little Christian bubble, we go, the people out there, they've just got such hard hearts. They, they're just unbelieving. They're just, like the problem is them. But the problem isn't them. There's no problem with the harvest. When the harvest, Jesus said, the harvest is ready. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is ready. Send revival. We're like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, who wants to help? He's like, whoa. <laughs> where, where are the people gone? And the problem has never been with the harvest. Jesus takes care of that. He's always working in people's hearts. We, he works for our prayers. He's pursuing people. He loves people. People are open. People are ready. They're leaning in. They're hungry to know God. And God is looking for those who are ready to get to work and work for God. Matthew 9, 37, 38. He says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. He's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers. What is the gap? It's not the harvest, it's not the hard hearts, it's the workers. I reckon maybe some of the issue can be our own heart, to be honest. Um, This this word work in the Greek is ergon. It means to acquire by labor. I'm laboring on the point of labor. A worker who accomplishes something is an action that carries out or completes an inner desire, intention, or purpose. An action that results in a desire becoming a reality. In fact, Systems Leadership, a secular book, um, studying my Masters of Leadership around organisational leadership, 
defines work, and I love this definition. It's so simple. It says, work is to turn intention into reality. You know, the one thing that stands between you achieving your dreams, your desires, your intent is work. I mean, there's other things, but I'm just overly simplifying it. It's, it's work. And you know what the truth is for us as Jesus' body, as God's hands and feet on the world, Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, on the throne right now. His body on earth is us. And so the one thing that stands in between God's intent, His desire to reach people with the gospel is us. The one thing that stands in the gap and that separates God's intentions and His desire from turning into a reality is our willingness to work. And the truth is that God won't send the rains of revival if we're not willing to do the hard work of bringing in the harvest. You know, we're like, God, change my friend's life. God, bring people to church. But we're not even willing to greet people at the door. I mean, we've got a great culture here. We're not even willing to rock up to helping kids' church once every three weeks. We've got a phenomenal kids' team here that does. But we're so grateful for people serving here. We've got such a phenomenal team. But man, I tell you what, sometimes we've got a little way to go, don't we? And we're doing great. But, but the, oh no, sorry, you're going to like, can we sack him, please? <laughs> but the truth is, this is the challenge of God. He's saying, if, if you want to harvest, you've, you've got to lean in and be willing and ready to bear the weight of responsibility to carry this gift of grace to, to the world. Because Jesus isn't looking for those who are seeking rest, but those who want to give their best. <laughs> there you go. Jesus isn't seeking for those who want to have rest, but he's seeking those that want to give their best. That rhymes. <laughs> Write that one down. Tweet that one, I think is what they say. <laughs> and can I just bust another myth while I'm at it? Um, if you're going to sack me, then um, I may as well say this anyway. But... Um, <laughs> This is the thing, right? I want to break this myth. This thing's going around these days. I just feel like I really just want to discover myself. So um, I'm <clears throat> serving God, and I'm, but just, I'm, just, I'm just going to go and discover myself. So it's just self. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to discover you. Whoop. No. Self. Just discovering myself. Over here somewhere. It's like Jesus actually never said, go and discover yourself. It's a bit weird, really, right? But what he did say is to deny yourself, discard yourself, die to self. Whoa. (laughs) Ouch. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself or herself. Discard, die to self, and take up his or her cross and follow me. If you want to follow me, discard yourself. Give up your dreams. Give up your desires. Put, put aside seeking your agenda and align yourself with heaven's agenda, which is to see people with God for eternity. This is the agenda and, and desire of God. And, and the, there's good news in this, right, though? You're like, so I discard myself and I've gone. It's like, self. Oh dear. But do you know what? 
It works in opposites. See, it's counterculture. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life, preserve their life, live a safe life, live a life for me. I'm, I'm going to shrink my life down to what I can make it and keep it from anyone else. My life. For whoever wants to save their life, will, in the end, will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. Our true life is found in Jesus. Our true life is found in Jesus and aligning the strength of our life with his heart and with his intent to the degree that we align the strength of our life with the heart of God and the desire of God is to the degree that we're free from all of the other external things that want to try and make us into something that they want us to be but rather than what God has made us to be. The closer we get to God, the more we discover who we are because we're created in the image of God, not in the image that everyone else wants to make you into. And this is what God wants. And so what we want to do now is just break it down really, really, really simple, right? And there's, there's two sayings, there's two lines that I'd love us to adopt as a church. It's like, okay, that's nice. Well, it's not really nice. I've got to discard myself, the pastor said. Um, <laughs> what was church like? <laughs> <laughs> discard myself but there's how do we break it down really really simple for us right there's two lines that i love us to learn and it's this my church is my responsibility and our world is our responsibility everyone say my church my responsibility our world our responsibility so the truth is, this is way too big for us ever to do on our own. But together, we can do something great when we play our part. When we each play our part and become strong as a church, then together we can make a dent in darkness. We can see many, we can get a whole lot of beautiful platters around and give people the opportunity to come to know Jesus. So everyone say, my church, my responsibility. The great thing is about being part of the church is you don't have to be the answer. You just have to be part of the answer. You don't have to be the answer, just a part of the answer. And as each one of us just, I'm just playing my part. I'm playing my part. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll, I can help out with the kids' church. Even males can, you know. It's true. <laughs> in fact, we would love more males in kids' church. At the door, whatever, whatever part of, my church is my responsibility, not the past, not my It's there's no one more church than you. This is like your, this is your family. This is your family. And in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6, it says God has given each one of us, each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body it's healthy and growing and full of love. As we play our part, not, not just take our part over there somewhere, but, but man, we're so much more effective together. As we play our part, the whole body grows healthy and strong and thriving. And we can, we can do something great together as we do it. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 6 to 7, 12, 20, and 27. I've kind of skipped a few in between. Um, really, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can read it later. It says this, The body has many different parts, not just one part. Right? Yeah, we got that. 
if the, foot, the body is talking about the church, God, Jesus' body, which is just people on earth, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, then that doesn't make any, any less of a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the foot? It's like, I'm not a worship leader, so I don't belong to this church. Or, I can't make coffees like Michelle, so I don't belong to this church. I can't, I can't do that. So I it's, it's, no, I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous thinking. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies are many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if I only had one part. Yeah, there are many parts, but only one body. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Imagine if, imagine if the fingernail was like, yeah, I'm just going to go, uh, this should be more fingernails, and I'm just going to find a, a collection of fingernails around here. I'm going to find another church that values fingernails more. So I'm going to find a fingernail church. If you get all the fingernails together, it's just yucky. Yuck. But, but, but fingernails are really important. I might deny that by the fact that I chew on them. Hands up, any fingernail chewers? In that? Okay. <laughs> but it's just weird. Imagine if the eyes, there should be more eyeballs in this church. I'm just going to go and find a group of eyeballs for me to hang out with. It's like, there should be more of the. Do you know what? If, if you see a need in the church, it's probably because you're actually called by God to play your part and adding that bit to it. And you know, when, when, we, when we see holes and different things in the church, if you're a foot and you just think that there should be more feet, well, be a foot. Don't take your foot out, because it will be limping with one less foot. It's like we need all of you to play your part, to be a whole body, a functioning body. We need the pastors, we need the teachers, we need the evangelists, we need people that care about food. Thank you, Jesus. We need people that care about coffee and kids and mercy and admin and systems and schools and leadership. We need the elderly in this church. We need you. We need the teenagers. We need the young adults. We need the male and the female, people from every nation. We need you to give a greater, fuller expression of who Jesus is. Not one of us, not just a couple of us. The more there are of us, the more fuller, beautiful, whole representation of who Jesus is we give to the earth. So when you bring your friend, they don't come and get weirded out by all the fingernails or all the eyeballs. They're like, ah, I'm experiencing a normal person, a normal church, because everyone's playing their part. You don't have to be the answer, but just a part of the answer. Can I hear an amen? I'm just going to dispel another myth. Are you ready? Ready for this one? Just going to dis- dispel the I feel led myth. I just feel led. I feel led. You know, when, when I was a parent, well, I'm still a parent, but when our kids were in nappies, right? One, one night, you know, Jess had had a really big night feeding and up and down. And one, one night, winter had a, a very generously portioned nappy. A very full, abundant, overflowing blessings nappy. And you could just... And, and, and Jess is like, can you deal with that, please? And I'm like, yeah. 
don't know, I just, just don't really feel led. Just, just don't, I don't know, it's just really my not my thing. Like, I just, just poo isn't really my thing. It's just nappies, I just don't feel led. Just, don't know, I just don't, not, just not feeling it tonight. I'll tell you the quickest way I'll feel led is when Jess picks up the lead pencil, throws it to my head, and when it gets stuck into me, then I'm feeling lead. You want to feel lead? Just go and touch some pencils, go and touch a sink, then you'll feel lead. It's like, no, no, my kids are my responsibility. I just, I just need to do what I need to do because it needs to get done because it's my family is my responsibility. My church is my responsibility. I just don't feel led to do that. I had a guy, honestly, come up, not, not this church. No, no, not this church. Another church in another time, another place, another stratosphere, another universe in Albany. And, um, and ah, I mean, and <laughs> just good. Oh, hey, hey, I'll just do anything. Hey, I'm just keen, just here to help. I'm like, actually? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know about kids? Oh, no, not that. No, 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 no. It's like, oh. Oh, okay. I just actually believe, believe what he said. And so it's my church, my responsibility. We just, we change nappies. We just help because it's our responsibility. And yes, over time, of course, we want you, if you can't sing, no, 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 it's not your responsibility. <laughs> well, maybe it is to pray for singers. And maybe if you do get up here, then people will say, okay, okay, then I'll do it. Just get down off the stage. You know, but my church is my responsibility. Can I hear an amen? I remember when I was like, I had all these dreams about what the great things I was going to achieve one day, right? Oh, I'm so spiritual. All these dreams and just, just, oh, it's just amazing the things that I'm going to do to change the world. But in reality, I was doing nada, nothing, zip. But I went to church one day and, and the, and the, the mature lady, who was just oh, eager, pouring a coffee for me, was doing more to transform the world than I was in my dreamland. Oh, the great things I'm going to do. But she was doing, and God just convicted me. He's like, you need to just get start doing. I'm like, whoa, here I am thinking about achieving something because I'm thinking it. It's an intention. It's a desire. It's a want to. It's a dream. Oh, my heart. But work turns intention into reality. This is what God calls us. My church is my responsibility. And when I just started stacking chairs and helping out with youth, people said, oh, you must really love youth. I'm like, yeah, I do. I also love old people and young people and kids. I just want to do whatever I can to help out. My church is my responsibility. And this one's going to be much shorter. Everyone say it one more time. My church, my responsibility, and our world is our responsibility. There's no one else. There's no one else who God has charged with this responsibility to take the gift of grace to the world around us. No one else. Not, not no other organization, no other bunch of organized people, but us here in this room and in the other amazing churches around the place. And we play our part. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 14. It says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How good is that? Everyone, no matter who you are, 
no matter what your background is, it doesn't matter if you deserve it, it doesn't matter if you're religious, it doesn't matter if you've been to church, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, this says everyone with no qualifying factor, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, God forgive me, God help, will be saved. Oh, this is good news. But do you know what? We have good news. We just don't print the papers to tell people about it. It says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You know, God calls every single one of us to play a part in the church here, but to go into our worlds and be carriers of God's grace, offering around this platter of His grace to every single person in our lives, in our workplaces, wherever we go. The reason God has positioned you right now where you are, just know that God has positioned you without doubt to pray for, at a minimum, the people in your world. Just just have the expectation that when you go to the cafe, of course God has somehow sovereignly positioned me here to be a blessing to them. Maybe you're not going to be all weird, that weird Christian, but well, just risk being that weird Christian person. Who cares? Who cares about whether we get it wrong sometimes? It doesn't matter. Does their salvation matter more than you looking a bit dumb maybe? Absolutely. Their salvation matters way more than what people think of you. Absolutely no doubt. And this is the thing, right? To finish off with this, sometimes as a church we're like, we need to see more miracles. What about the miracles we saw back in the day? We want to see more healings. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit more. But you know, when we make church about a blessed me club, a platter that we're just devouring, we miss the whole point of why God sent miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit was actually about them all along, not, not us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, my platter carriers, telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, in Perth, in Albany, wherever you go, in your workplace, in the cafes, in your schools, with your families, with your friends, throughout the entire earth. This is the purpose, the power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit is to give you power so that we can never do on our own. And wherever the gospel goes out, miracles follow. When Jesus is recorded in Matthew, in Mark, the Great Commission, it says, go out into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Grace. Miracles are a magnet to grace, the proclamation of grace. It says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. In other words, freedom will be bought from people's lives who are oppressed, from a spirit of fear, that seems to dominate our world through anxiety and all kinds of things that the enemy wants to get. Now, you have the power to release people from demonic strongholds on their life. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. What, what is the context of the miraculous power of God at work? When we take risks and we say the power of God confirm the gospel and the grace that we want to share with people. This is a secret to see the miraculous power of God at work in our world. There's another saying, more miracles are released when the priority of the gospel is increased. 
More miracles are released when the priority of the gospel is increased. Let's say it together. More miracles are released when the priority of the gospel is increased. As a church, we exist to bear the responsibility of the weight, of the burden, of the challenge of carrying this gift of grace to the world. We've received it. Thank you, God. We've responded to it. And you know what? It's like a response ability now. This is according to your ability. Whatever your ability is, it can be small or great to say, God, I'll just give you my, as a response to your grace. I want to add my ability. Just, I'm just going to be me now. I'm just going to be me. Holy Spirit, would you, would you I would take my normal, just my normal everyday life. Holy Spirit, would you come with your power and release grace into the world? It might cost us. It might cost us. Are you ready? There's a cost to be counted. It might cost us our comfort, our time. It might cost us our health. It might cost us our finance. It might cost us our holidays. It might cost us our dreams. I'm sure that most of the disciples dreamed of a family one day. But they laid down, I'm sure Jesus even maybe, I don't know. It might cost us our dreams. It might cost us our desires. It might cost us our wants. What we feel like, it, it might even actually cost us our actual life. But we want to give everything of our lives to align the strength of our life to bear the responsibility, the honour and the privilege, wow, that we've been entrusted with this special gift of God's grace that is available to the whole world. There's a platter. You know, if, if you just picture this pantry lined up with platters and a whole lot of people hanging around that's so desperate and need a taste of this food, we need to take it out of the cupboards and we need to share it around to as many people as we possibly can. You know, as a church, we've got a vision to serve our communities, we're going to reach those who are struggling in our world in, in high schools. We want to plant churches. We're going to do so many more things. But tonight, I just want to boil it down to a simple choice. I'm going, God, I've received your grace. And now, God, I'll put it on my head. I want to be responsible. I, I want to be counted. Count me, God. I'll just make myself available once again. Lord, I want, I want my church to be my responsibility. Not, not them, me together our world to be our responsibility why don't we just still stand up together thank you Lord and I believe tonight that as we make this simple choice and we say yes to God I just believe that the Holy Spirit is here in power tonight and he's just going to be anointing every single one of us with new newfound power he's he's that the wording his super will come upon your natural. Your natural, you just be you, but his super, his super, his power will come upon your natural to form something supernatural. And you're going to be amazed to see what God does in your life as you say yes to him.